Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Gospel Community Church. And our mission here is to glorify God and to make disciples. And I, if you don't know who I am, I'm usually the guy behind the guitar up here. I'm the worship pastor. My name is Zach Vogel. Um, But I get to preach today. I get to do something I I haven't done in a long time um, and bring the word for us this morning. Before we get into that, um, you'll see on the screen Easter service. And um, you'll see also Good Friday service there. It's not at 6 a.m. It's at 6 p.m. So make sure you don't show up at 6 a.m. Be a very early service. Um, And I don't want to get ready that early. Um, But we have Easter coming up. Our Good Friday service will be at 6 p.m. this Friday. Um, We'll have Easter services at 9 and 11 um, a.m. on Sunday. And the only, um, so those look, pretty much the same. The only thing that is different is we will have kids ministry at both services. And so as you're taking this and inviting people, as you go to your neighbors or uh, your coworkers or your friends, as you're inviting them, let them know that we'll have kids ministry both services and um, invite them to church. Um, There's so many people who are um, open to coming to an Easter service, even if they don't attend church. And so um, let's be doing that this week. Um, if you're a regular tender with us, um, we do ask you if you would register for um, a service. So we have a registration set up. We don't like to do this, but um, really our first service has been like maxed. If you come here a lot, you know that. This is a little bit different because we're last Sunday of spring break. But um, our first service has been really maxed. And so um, we are asking all of our regular attenders just to let us know to register on the online or on the app, you'll see Easter there um, in the events page. Um, and just to register, let us know when you're coming, where your kids will be, if they'll be in here, if they'll be in the kids' ministry. And that just helps us to care for our teachers well so they don't um, have a billion kids <laughs> at, in one service. And also uh, be good stewards of our guests, that, of those guests that you're inviting, right, um, that are coming here, and we have enough room for them. So. Um, let's be on the lookout and thinking of that um, this week. Well, as I get into the message this morning, um, we are actually going to a passage in Ephesians, um, Ephesians 5.15. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen. Oops, sorry, I went too far. Um, we're actually going to say this passage together this morning um, and recite God's word back to him. Um, so we're going to be Ephesians 5.15. And why don't we just say this together? I'm going to start, and you can just say it with me. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil, Ephesians 5.15. So this passage is talking about being wise with our time, putting Christ in the center of our lives. God calls us to live together as the body of believers, intentionally making the most of every opportunity for Christ. We get to talk a little bit more about this today as we get into 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. And that's where I'll be in um, most of today. We'll be in another passage as well. But if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. And go ahead and when you get there, put a finger or a bookmark or a pen or one of those Easter cards, just don't forget it's there. Um, put it there in 1 Corinthians 12 and then turn forward in your Bible to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. 
and we're actually going to read that first. And this will be kind of, Hebrews 10 will kind of be almost an intro into my message this morning out of 1 Corinthians 12. So if you didn't catch that, I'm going to go back really quick because I just like skipped past this. So my title of my message this morning is Come to Gather. Kind of sounds like Come Together. But it's Come to Gather because on Sunday morning, as we come together as a body of believers, we get to do something other than just come together. We get to come to gather as the body of Christ. And we'll see that in 1 Corinthians 12. But first, let's read through Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Follow along as I read this this morning. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is, a some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we read this passage, what does this have to do with the body of believers? What does this have to do with us gathering together? Well, let's look at the first word of that passage. And the first word is, therefore. And so we want to figure out why it's therefore. Um, We see earlier on in this chapter in Hebrews, the, the author goes into detail about how Christ has sacrificed himself for the church once and for all. He is the ultimate sacrifice. And if you've been reading With us through the Read Scripture app, we've been coming together as a church, we've been reading the Bible together through this Read Scripture app, through this resource. We've read through the books of, uh, well, Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all those books that, that hit on the sacrifices and God setting up the law for the Israelites. And so as we see in these books that sacrifice, the sacrifice of these animals was there to remind the people annually of their sin. To remind the people annually of their sins. And those sacrifices could never take away all the sins of the people, right? As blameless as they could be, as spotless as they could be, there is only one true, spotless, blameless, perfect sacrifice, and that is Jesus. And that's why he came to this world. Because Jesus was not only a man, not only did Jesus have one life as a man, Jesus was God, God coming down in human form who had infinite life. And so as a mentor explained this to me, um, knowing God, knowing that God has eternal life, infinite life, if you take something and subtract infinity by something else, what do you get? You get infinity. Um, Math sometimes makes my brain hurt. If you take infinity and subtract infinity, you still get infinity. Isn't that crazy? God has an infinite life. And because he chose to send his son Jesus, 
who also has infinite life as God, he was able to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. What an amazing sacrifice. We're going to go hop up to verse 17 that we just read. It says, There were our sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. This is the Holy Spirit actually saying this. this. Their sins have been forgiven. And sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary because Jesus paid it all. Which transitions well into um, this next passage. In, in, uh, I think it's verse 24. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, don't neglect meeting together as is the some, some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And this is what we get to do on Sunday mornings as we come together, as we gather together, we get to encourage each other as the body of Christ um, because, in fact, we are the church, together. As we come together, we are the church. It doesn't, the church isn't about a building. It isn't even about necessarily where the building is, but the church is the body, a local body of believers that comes together. And so we are going to be discussing this morning um, and recognizing what the church is. We'll be looking at a few ways God has designed the church, and why it's so important to be a part of it. So if you would, go ahead and turn back with me to that 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25 passage. And as you're turning there, let's talk about my first point this morning. Um, my title, as I said, is Come to Gather. But my first point this morning is We Come to Gather. And to say this differently and write this down if you're taking notes. The church is a we, not a me. The church is a we, not a me. You cannot serve Christ alone. You cannot worship Christ alone, which is a funny way of saying it. But what I'm saying is you cannot serve Christ by yourself. You cannot worship him by yourself. You cannot be the church alone. Follow along as I read, starting in 12, 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members are of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we all are baptized, we, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. We're going to stop there just for a second. 
You see, we're all a part of the body of Christ. And even though the body is one, it has many members. So we learn that you are not the church. In fact, we are the church together because the church cannot function with just you. We're here together to function together. And just like in the body, you know, we need feet to move us, hands to feel, we need a nose to smell, we need eyes to see, we need a mouth to chew. The church, the body of Christ needs you to do your function. So even though the body of Christ cannot function with just you, it needs you. Even though the body of Christ cannot function with just you, it needs you because we are all in this together. The body of Christ needs people who are willing to come together to actively encourage each other and actively go out and bring other people into the body. And so we encourage each other here and then we go out and bring others in. And that brings me to my next point, which is we come to gather and when we do this, we come to interact. We come to interact. So as I'm starting off this sermon, it kind of seems a little basic, right? It kind of seems a little obvious that, yeah, we're here on Sunday morning. Um, of course, we're coming together as the church. Of course, we should come meet together. But there are people, uh, many people, who would say, well, I attend church on Sunday morning. I just watch online. Uh, I watch the live stream. Um, or maybe I just kind of I read scripture my own or I watch another sermon from another pastor or a different church out there. Um, I don't really have a home base. I don't really have my own church. And so that's why we need to cover this. So the big question is, why, what's the reason for me to come to church? What's the reason for me to come? Well, let's read on, starting in verse 16 says, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So when we hear those things like, yes, absolutely, we need to be part of the body of Christ, or absolutely, I need to go to church, that's why I watch uh, sermons online every week, uh, but never really attend in the building. It's easy maybe to judge in the, to judge that mentality, and to, um, um, to judge that person. But with grace, we get to come to them and say, you know, you think about a body. If an ear was disconnected to the body, like if I lopped off my ear and I put it somewhere else, is it really going to do its function? Is it really going to hear? Well, no, because it's not connected to the body. My ear's just not going to hear in the other room if I lopped it off and, and put it in there. No. Or if feet, could they, could they move you? Could they run if they weren't connected to the body? Well, of course not. They're not connected to the legs. They're not going to move you. So we all need to be connected to the body. 
But some may argue, well, I am connected to the, I'm connected to Christ, so I don't need to come to church. I'm connected to Christ. But have you ever seen a head, which we know Christ is the head of the body, have you ever seen a head connected to a toe? Um, and that's it, right? No, that's, it's not a body. You don't see that. It's not normal. Um, the head and the toe can't really do the function of the body. In fact, we get to gather together because it's so important to interact with the body. We gather together to interact with the body. Because we see, we do this because you cannot function as part of the body without being connected with the whole body. You cannot function as part of the body without being connected with the whole body. And so that's why we get to come here on Sunday mornings. We get to meet together. We get to serve and worship together, to be present together and fellowship together because we get to interact with each other because that's what God calls us to do. And not only are we called to interact with the body on Sunday morning, we're also called to interact with God. We're also called to interact with God. And in fact, as we'll get into in just a second, our entire service that we have on Sunday morning, as we gather here this morning, as we sit down, as we stand, as we worship God, as we sit and hear his word, our entire service is worship. And we, Ben and I, each week we come together and we make an order of service and we do this intentionally, um, knowing that we're scheduling everything out so that we can make the best um, effort to make, to be good stewards with the time that God has given us here on Sunday morning together because we know it's important to gather together to worship God. And so I'm actually going to go through like the order of service this morning, like what we do every service. And some of you are probably like, really? (laughs) Why are you doing that? We're at service. We literally just experienced this. Or I come every week. Why are you telling me this? Well, um, I think the importance is maybe some of us know what we do, but we don't know why we we do what we do. And so we're going to go through the order of a service and... Pick it apart a little bit. So the first thing that we do on a Sunday morning is a call to worship. It's a call to come and gather and worship Christ. And sometimes we do this really quick with, with a scripture. It's usually scripture. Get a come to, uh, just it calls us in together. Sometimes Ben will come up and do a devotion. Sometimes it'll be a little longer. But it just brings us into the throne. And then secondly, we go into praise and worship, as Zeth did this morning, uh, as he led us in praise and worship this morning with four or five different songs that take about 25, 20 minutes, that we get to set our hearts right. If you think, that, think of that song, um, the hymn, Come Thou Fount, there's a, song, there's a line in there that says, it says, tune my heart to sing thy praise. And that's what we get to do on Sunday morning. We get to tune our hearts to God's frequency. We get to come here to tune our hearts to sing God's praise. And as we come into the building, as we're called to worship, as we worship through these praise songs, we're tuning our hearts to sing his praise. And then we get into worshiping God through prayer, which on a Sunday morning is sometimes kind of short, right? When we get out of the worship and we get into prayer, sometimes that prayer time is a little bit short. When we get into, if you've come to one of our prayer gatherings, you'll notice it's a little bit different. Um, we always, most likely always start our services with worship. 
and then we get into prayer. And I find it interesting that as we come together and as we worship, we're never singing our words, are we? As we come together and worship, we're never singing our words. We're usually singing either, maybe it's a psalmist David, David's words, that someone has taken the psalms and made them into a modern song. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's one of the, the hymnists that wrote these words over 100 years ago. Maybe it's a modern, uh, more of a contemporary artist who wrote a modern hymn or wrote a contemporary song that we sing. But as we, as we come and sing these songs, we're never singing our words. Like you never, I'm pretty sure you haven't written any of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning. I haven't written any of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning. And so as we sing these, first of all, we want to make sure that we're singing uh, the correct words. We want to make sure that we're singing the right songs. So we, we don't just uh, lead any song in the, um, in uh, whatever, CCLI, the database that, that we can go to and see all these songs. We don't just lead any song that's out there. Um, we're pretty picky on what songs we sing because the words that we sing um, are almost, we're almost praying these words to God. It's forming almost our theology as we sing them. And so as we sing these songs that other people have written, um, as we do that and after we do that through prayer, especially in our prayer gatherings, we get to reflect on those words and we get to put them in the context of our lives. And we get to use these words as a form of prayer and a form of worship and say something like this when we hear the words, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in Savior's love, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. We can take that and put it in the context of our lives and what we're going through and say, God, even though I don't understand what I'm going through, the storms that I'm facing, I know that you are still good because you are Lord and I know that you have a purpose. Even though, even though maybe my, my grandpa just passed away, God, I know he's with you and I know you have a purpose in it, even though I don't understand it, even though my one of my parents maybe got diagnosed with cancer. You are good because you are Lord. And even though I don't understand it, somehow you have a purpose in it. Or maybe even though my spouse doesn't know you, I can trust you to use me to bring them to you because your power is made perfect in my weakness. This is the time where we can respond to what we sing about. And I challenge you, um, we don't have, we don't, we're, we're not praying for 15 minutes after we're worshiping. But I challenge you, even as we're worshiping, if these songs are, if these words are stirring in your heart, because most of the words that we sing are scripture um, that we get to um, creatively just bring to life. And, and as these words, if these words are stirring in you, if you feel like these words are connecting to your life, um, feel free. Like, I'm, I would love it. I'm not going to judge you at all. I would love it if you just sat down and started praying and started putting those words into the context of your life and responding to who God is. Sometimes um, also we go into communion, and this is the time. You all know what this time is. We just come and we thank God for what he's done for us. We respond through 
through um, repenting of our sins and praising him for who he is, what he's done for us. And then after worship and, and communion sometimes, after we go into prayer, we worship through listening to the word. And that's where I'm at right now. We worship to li- through listening to the word. And um, we worship through understanding and being um, listening to what God has for us through Pastor Ben or through Doug who gave us the word last week or through myself, whoever brings the message. And even through this, we get to worship. Um, firstly, sometimes we get to recite God's word back to him. We get to recite back God's word back to him um, like we did this morning through the Ephesians passage. Then we get to study God's word. We get to be in his word. And then thirdly, we get ready to apply God's word um, which brings me to the last thing that we do in our service is our sending time. Where the worship team comes up or myself comes up or Zeth comes up and we get to um, sing a song and then apply uh, God's word. And in fact, this is like one of my favorite parts of the service. Not because it's almost over, <laughs> but because it's so important. Like we get to apply what God is um, telling us, is showing us through his word. And so um, our next point is, as we gather, not only do we get to respond to, uh, or not only do we get to interact with each other as a body of Christ, not only do we inter- get to interact with God, um, because that really is, like worship really is on Sunday morning, it's just a conversation with God. Uh, we're speaking to God, he's speaking back to us. We're interacting with him, but also as we gather, we get to care for each other. And this is what the rest of that 1 Corinthians 12 passage is talking about. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Starting in verse 21, sorry. Nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So as we gather, as we interact with each other and with God, as we serve God and as we serve each other, we also get to care for our fellow believer. In fact, and this is on the screen, we must never look down on someone else for what they have to offer. We must never look down on someone else for what they have to offer Christ. Because when it comes down to it, what do we really, what really do any of us have to author, to offer? If it wasn't for being part of the body of Christ and for Jesus creating us to do good works together to build his kingdom, we wouldn't amount to much, right? None of us would amount to much if it wasn't for um, Jesus. When we think about eternity, 
we might be able to do a lot of cool things. We might have, you might have like a really high IQ, um, not me, but <laughs> you might have a really high IQ. You might, you might have a lot of strength or skill, but really, what does it all amount to? Matthew 16, 26 says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Instead, Jesus says just in a couple verses before that, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Isn't it amazing that Jesus calls us to deny ourselves before we figure out what he can do through us? Jesus calls us to deny what we can do by ourselves so that, he, so that we can figure out what he can do through us. So in reality, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how good you are at your job, if you can bench 400 pounds or do Taekwondo, except for the fact you can knock me out, right? None of that matters because he calls us to deny it all to humble ourselves and to give him the opportunity to use our gifts and skills he's given us for his glory and not our own. There is not one of us who is greater than another in the kingdom of God. Not one of us who is greater than another in the kingdom of God. My last point today comes from James 1, through 25. And it says, and you can turn there if you want to. Sorry, I don't have a slide for it. I realize this after the fact. But James 1, through 25 is where I'm coming from. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, of freedom, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but endure who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So thirdly, we see that God has designed the church and his people to come together as a church, as a body of Christ, to come together to interact with each other, to interact with God, to care for each other. But he's also called us to come and to respond. And to respond specifically to God's word. Specifically to God's word. Every time we gather together and hear the word of God, we should do something about it. Every time we gather together and hear the word of God, we should do something about it. It should stir in us to go do something. We must be doers and not hearers only of God's word. It's very, it can be very, very, very easy to come to God's church and just like we were to go to a movie, to come and sit down and get entertained and just show up 
and then go home and do nothing about it. It's very easy to make church an idol. And you might be thinking, wait, what a second. Did you just say it's very easy to make church an idol? Um, well, this is what I mean. It's very easy. It's very easy to make the act of coming to church an idol. Because we can come to church and on Sunday to a building an act of selfishness because I want to keep up my image. And because it's the good Christian thing to do when in fact our hearts can be far from here. Our hearts can be far from the church, the gathering believers who have come to worship God. We put an idol of self in status and comfort above the holy, almighty creator God. We must fight against the comfort of sitting in a pew and leaving the gathering of believers without acting on God's word. We must fight against this mentality of of just going to church because it's the right thing to do, because it's the thing to do. Because if I don't go to church, my my other Christian friends and family will look down on me. That's not the reason to go to church. The reason to go to church is to be filled up with God's word, to interact with his body, to interact with Christ and to respond to what he's given us, to do the work of Jesus. So next brings us into we must respond to build his kingdom and not our own. You know, sometimes I'll sit down with my daughters and um, sometimes like on the living room floor and show them how to do something. I remember um, we bought, or maybe we bought or we were given these blocks, these mega blocks um, that were given to us or um, we bought, I can't remember. Um, and all I remember is that, that it was for our youngest and she was a lot, way too small to use them, right? So she would basically just, she would sit on the floor and she would just like bang them together, right? Which was cool, but she wasn't really doing anything with them. Um, but when she got older, I think two and a half, three, I would be able to sit on the living room floor and just show her how to build all these things, how to do it, um, show her kind of how to build a base and then like how to build a foundation, how to build like the walls and if so they have like these doors in there, where to put those and, and just show her how to do that. And sometimes she'd be really engaged and excited about it and really um, like just continue to, to build things for like an hour. And sometimes she would just have enough of it and, and not really want to do it anymore. Um, but I remember that also, um, so when she was three years old, I also wanted to teach her how to ride a bike. And um, if you think, if you're a parent here, and you think that teaching a kid how to ride a bike in Indiana is hard, um, we lived in Colorado at that time. I want you to go to Colorado and teach your kid how to ride a bike in the, in the mountains of Colorado, Right? That, that was really hard. Um, and so uh, even our drive, our driveway was like this. Uh, if you go, even if you go to like the walkways, they're like up and down. And so basically impossible to teach a three-year-old how to ride a bike. And so we started in our garage, and she had this little tricycle. 
and she was really good. She like scoot around on it, and um, and then we got to the point. Margo and I were going to teach her how to like pedal, you know, um, except no. She didn't really learn how to pedal very well. She struggled in the struggle with pedaling. In fact, she, it was such a struggle for her that she would get so mad, so angry, and like kick the tricycle over or flip it over and just get mad and throw a fit or, and sometimes just go in the house, probably play with her box. Um, but I think of us as the children of God. God has intentionally set a time on a Sunday morning to speak to us, to speak into us. And he uses pastors and teachers and preachers to do this. He's given us instructions on how to live. But so many times we, we listen to what he has for us and then we leave and we get so frustrated because we try to do it on our own. And we try to do it for ourselves We try to do it our own way. Or so many times we come to a service and we listen, we listen to what he has for us and then we go off and do our own thing when we leave this building. Once we, once we leave those doors, everything is, is gone. Everything is gone. We don't remember any of it. And sometimes we go to church, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we just go here because it's the right thing to do. Um, We go here in order to please God. And everything just kind of goes in and out. We're not actually listening. But I think of that, those times where I got to sit down with my youngest or, or my oldest and how defeating it would be if I sat down and was like all ready to show her how to build this awesome castle. And she was like, okay, dad, like whatever. You, you can teach me how to do it, but I don't really care, Right? How defeating would that be? But how much do we do this to our Heavenly Father? Just like me and my daughter, here's the thing. God, I think, I think God longs for those sit on the living room floor, mega block moments. He longs for those moments where he's intentionally spending time with us and we're seeking him um, and listening to him. We're tuning our hearts like I said earlier, we're tuning our hearts to his frequency. We're tuning our hearts to sing his praises. We're responding to what he's teaching us. He longs for those moments, for us to listen to him and to build our lives just, as those, just like those megablocks as I was teaching my daughter to build those megablocks. He longs for us to listen to his teaching and to build our lives taller and wider and greater. Not even for us, though but for him, because we can listen to all the good things. We can come to church because it's good, it's the right thing to do. We can listen to these good ideas and philosophies, and then we can go try to make ourself or our image greater. We can try to lift our own lives up because these are good things to live for. That's what, that's what those who don't know Christ, there's, did you know there's, there's good people who aren't believers. Did you know that? There's good people who aren't believers, right? Right? We can treat this morning as like a self-help seminar, right? Where we could build our own lives up, but we're doing nothing for Christ's kingdom. And if we do that, if we come together as a body of Christ, 
If we know we're saved, if we know that Christ has a purpose for us and we do nothing about it, what's the point? What's the point? Lost my spot, sorry. We turn, we're going to look back at Hebrews 10, verse 25. Or sorry, verse 23. He says, the author of Hebrews says here, we read it earlier. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. We recognize that Christ paid it all for the church. And because of this, we should hold fast to the confession of our hope and not waver. Meaning that we should go out boldly. We should go out boldly and share the gospel without hesitation. And even though the world, even though the world comes at us, even though the world is coming at us, we must not back down. We must not waver. We should respond to God's word and share the gospel to a world without hope. And so we must respond by confessing our hope boldly. This is what the church is all about. It's about community doing life together, worshiping God, meeting together, interacting with each other, interacting with God But it doesn't stop there. Our impact for Christ must transcend the walls of a building. Our impact for Christ must transcend the walls of a building. We come together to gather as a church in order to interact with God in the church and to respond to the goodness of the gospel. And just like a child just like a child who gets to learn from their parents. We get to learn from our Heavenly Father how to build our lives, how to trust in Him, and how to bring the hope of the gospel to the world around us. And so that's why we come together, and that's why we respond. That's why we have these action steps at the end of the service, which I'm there right now. That's why we give these to you every week. Um, Not as... Uh, you must do each one of these, but more as a, a guide, a path for you, um, point you in the right direction to show you how you can respond to the service. So first this week, I want to challenge you all. I want to challenge you to read and to memorize Ephesians 5.15, knowing that our, our days are numbered, knowing the importance of of. Um, being sent out and responding to God's word. And then we get into Hebrews 10. If you would read that this week, um, just talks about, uh, we we went through a little bit of it this week and then kind of um, hit on some of the other earlier parts of Hebrews 10. But read that this week and get some context of what we went through. Um, It talks about, it really does talk about um, why we should praise our Lord because of what he's done for us great chapter. And third, ask God to help you respond. Um, And I would say to do this every week, ask God to help you respond, because we do, we give you these four things, 
to help you respond, but sometimes they're kind of general. Sometimes they're kind of vague. Um, ask God specifically how, to, how, that you can re, how you can respond to the message um, he has for you. Because in reality, um, sometimes it's easy to say, well, I didn't get anything out of that. That must have been for somebody else. But in reality, he has something for each and every one of us. Um, like, God is that powerful. Do you know that? <laughs> God is that powerful to speak into every single heart here. He is that powerful. And so ask him how you can respond to the word. And then fourthly, I'm giving you an exact thing on how you can respond. You can invite somebody to church because if you haven't figured it out yet, this week is Holy Week. This is Palm Sunday. And um, as we get into the rest of the week, um, we get to just remember the events that led up to the cross, specifically on Good Friday. We're actually going through those events. We're kind of going through Holy Week and reminding us um, of the events that led to the cross. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing some songs there. And so feel free, you can invite someone to that um, or especially invite them to Easter service. Invite them to understand the, the hope that we have in Christ. And really, this is... Um, I say easy, but I, I would say this is one of the easiest things I could possibly give you because so many people, especially during this week, are so open to coming to church. Even those that don't, don't attend church, even those that don't believe in God will go to church on Easter because it's the good thing to do, right? Um, and so we get the opportunity to invite them here, and once they're here, they get to hear the good news of the gospel. Um, that they were worth Jesus sacrificing his life for. So invite someone to church. All right, well, as we um, finish up this morning, as the worship team comes up in just a moment, um, we are going to finish this service out in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love us and that you care about us, even even though you are so much greater than we are, God, you created everything in this world, in this life that we know it. You care about us all individually, um, even though you are a creator, an awesome God. We thank you for your love for us, that you care for the biggest things and the littlest things in our lives. And we thank you that we have a God who chooses to use us we thank you that we get to come here as a body of Christ, not out of obligation, God, but out of adoration, thanking you for what you've done for us, praising you for who you are. And because of who you are, we get to seek to know you more. God, I do praise you that you've called us to do more than just sitting in a pew or a chair, but you've called us to respond, to go out into this world and to make disciples, to bring other people into the body of Christ, to respond to your word. God, may we come here every single week as empty vessels that would be filled up again and again every week so that we may be poured out in our community, our friends and our family and those around us. Thank you for all you do and all that you've done for us and we truly do praise you because you are worthy of it all. We praise you in Jesus' name.